Time to talk about the ever-increasing intersection between sport and law with Tim Fuller from Gaydon's Lawyers. Morning, Tim. How are you? Morning, guys. How are we? I'm good. I'm good, thanks. Yeah, we're very well. Uh, Tim, I think uh, we've been talking during the week. Uh, most people are sort of uh, over-talking about uh, the Dave Warner escapade in uh, South Africa four years ago, uh, the actual event itself. Everyone's got a view on whether the penalty was right or wrong. So we'll just probably stick with uh, the principle of what Cricket Australia has done at the moment, and that is to change their code of conduct such that if you accepted a long-term sanction, you can now appeal against it. Um, if you have shown reform and regret. So you don't revisit the original offence and sanction. It's sort of what happened post-sanction. Is this a a good move, do you think, or is it a slightly dangerous one? Well, Andrew, firstly, um, that word appeal, it popped up yesterday where David Warner referred to it. Yeah. Um, You know, technically it's not an appeal, and and that's what's interesting about it. So you go through the disciplinarian process, you know, whatever the charge is, and ultimately... The sanctions handed down, and if it's a life ban, you know, it's a life ban. But there is an appeals process, you know, as part yeah. of the normal, the normal um, disciplinary um, procedures. This is something that's a little bit, you know, if you like, outside the box, and it's outside, um, you know, the powers and the parameters of the integrity unit, and it's actually going to be an independent process where um, whoever sits on this independent panel, if there's, for example, an application of a player after a period of time, and like, okay, let's just talk about David Warner. period of time has gone by. Um, you know, he's served, obviously, a substantial period of, um, of sanction. But what he's now going to do is to make an application to this independent panel, and he's going to make, you know, if you like, submissions around good behaviour, remorse, rehabilitation, all those types of things. And they are going to be the ones that ultimately decide whether the lifetime ban stands or not, you know, whether it's reduced and whether he can return, you know, um, you know, to a captaincy role. That's pretty that's pretty kind of interesting because it's it's definitely something that like sits outside the normal disciplinary process. Tim, but uh, this panel cannot go back to what happened back in two thousand and eighteen, can they? They can only ask about what David's done to uh, to better himself and, and regain that leadership role. Is that correct? Yeah, Paul, that's a good point. Um, they're not they're not, for example, going to be ruling on the merits of the sanction. So, for example, there may be people that sit on that panel that might not have agreed with a lifetime ban, but that's not their role. Their role is purely to look at the evidence that Warner's going to put forward as to whether he has, we'll just use the word you know, re- rehabilitation, whether he's re- rehabilitated and whether they're able to then, you know, based on that evidence, um, able to reduce his lifetime ban. But they can't you know, rule on, you know, the merit of whether a lifetime ban was appropriate or not. Um, they're just going to purely look at, like, what he what he submits to their panel and whether they can then reduce the sanction. It's an interesting one, uh, Tim, because I think I read that, uh, you know, in the preamble that uh, the player has to show that there's been exceptional circumstances such that the sanction be reviewed. Well, is behaving like a civilised cricketer or any other cricketer during the period exceptional circumstances? Yeah, well, the definition of that, um, Andrew, like, you know, the panel will probably look at this, if you like, um, you know, through fresh eyes or in a de novo way. And what that means is that they'll just look at all the information and the evidence that, you know, say, Warner um, submits. And from there, they'll determine, you know, whether those, those circumstances exist you know, for him to have a reduction. 
You know, even even like um, oh, this, this, I, you know, I, I suppose this is, a, this is drawing on a little bit of a long string, but if you look at like yesterday, the reaction, you know, the sort of aggressive, if you like, um, combative reaction, and even in relation to David Warner's press conferences, I mean, that's the type of thing that like. You know, I would suggest probably he's not going to, you know, sort of help him. I'm not saying that he won't get his, you know, sanction um, ultimately listed. I'm just saying that really, you know, this is all about showing that there's genuine remorse. Um, You know, he's complained a little bit about how long it's taken for this, you know, rule or this change to be put in place. Oh, look, I don't think that's that's uh, something that he should he should be complaining about because ultimately, you know, they've gone forward with this and it does give him an opportunity, you know, to have his ban lifted, but. You know, it's going to be interesting as to whether, you know, people see this as, you know, setting a precedent because, you know, in the future, you know, any lifetime ban or whether it's a six-month ban or a 12-month ban, you know, ultimately is now going to be able to be to be challenged um, in exceptional circumstances. We, we grant that. But, um, you know, it does, you know, if you like, put a little bit of a caveat if you, um, um, amongst, like, the original decision-makers. And so that's going to be, you know, interesting to see how that actually plays out. Yeah, just the last point on this one, because I know the listeners probably uh, want to move on to some of your other stuff, but if I'm advising a player or I'm a manager of a player and something like what happened in South Africa happens again and I know my player is not going to come out of it well if he sort of challenges it at the time because some information is going to come out, aren't I going to say, mate, don't challenge it now, wait a couple of years and challenge it then? Yeah, cause, because even like you know, in relation to appeals processes, sometimes you know, they're seen as not accepting the original you know, decision maker, not accepting the umpire. That's that's a fair point to make. That ultimately, okay, let's work towards putting information to the to the panel in exceptional circumstances. Yeah, that's how we'll we'll deal with this. So it's going to be very interesting to see how you know players, you know agents, and so forth respond to this you know this new process. Tim, what can you tell us about Laurie Evans? Well, we don't know a lot about it, Paul, but what I think is interesting about this situation is the fact that um, both his team and himself and obviously maybe other people involved, like such as his agent, have agreed to terminally, um, sorry, mutually terminate you know, his contract for the season. That's that's not usual. You know, this is going back to obviously a test was provided in August of this year um, during the 100 in the, in the, in the UK. Um, the results have now just been provided to him. He's provisionally suspended, so he's suspended until his, you know, he has his day at a hearing, or whether he, you know, pleads, um, you know, to intentional doping, whatever, whatever the circumstances are. But what's interesting is that he has agreed with his club, his BBL club, to actually mutually terminate his contract. He doesn't have to do that, um, but they have agreed to do that. Look, it, it would be. Um, it would seem to be a sensible thing to do, but you know, it's just the, the point is that you're you're not bound to do that. But um, because you know, really, you, know, you still have the opportunity to go through the whole process and so forth. Um, but that's what they've decided to do. Mm, yeah. That's interesting. Uh, we heard uh, prior to the World Cup a rather bizarre rant from uh, uh, Gianni Infantino that uh, no one quite got to the bottom of. But prior to that, um, he had announced that there's a uh, going to be a new system for the FIFA clearinghouse. What's that all about? Well, that's, this is a good idea because you know obviously FIFA and that rant, that rant sort of like you know Andrew sums up FIFA in many ways. But look, um, there's now been formally. 
um, instigated from FIFA a clearinghouse where all transactions involving player movement, player transfers, will go through a central institution, just like the way, for example, financial um, clearinghouses exist. Um, when it comes to the club, when it comes to the player, when it comes to the agent or a, an intermediary, as they call them in, in football, um, all of these you know, transactions and player movements are going to go through a centralised um, institute in Paris. And from there, junior clubs will be appropriately pl- um, paid. Um, agents will be um, appropriately paid according to regulations. And there's now going to be no sort of backroom hidden deals, you know, which soccer has become renowned for. Mm. Always a pleasure, Tim. We'll catch up again soon. Thanks, guys.